0: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of The Rodcast. We've got a bit of a special year today. Um, it is Good Friday. It's a day that we celebrate the victory of Jesus on the cross. And uh, this week on Tuesday, Pastor Rod did a great teaching about what happened between the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. What did Jesus do during that time? So we thought it'd be great just to uh, chat with you, Pastor Rod, a little bit more about that and get our, get the listeners... Uh, to think about it, and yeah, some great teaching today from that. So, uh, first question, just want to dive in is we are, we are that Jesus uh, it was between his death and resurrection was three days, but if you look at it Friday, if it was Saturday, Sunday, Monday. But so, how do you explain the three days that Jesus was
1: dead? Yeah, it's actually a very simple explanation from a um, Hebrew or Jewish point of view. Every day in the Hebrew or the Jewish calendar, is from 6 p.m. to 6 p.m. Every day. That That's a day. So when Jesus died, it was 3 p.m. Uh, the Bible says the ninth hour he cried out and gave up his spirit. The ninth hour is 3 p.m. The, the beginning of the day is 6 a.m. So the ninth hour, 3 p.m. Jesus died at 3 p.m. on a Friday, and he had to be in the tomb, uh, dead and in the tomb by 6 p.m., for the start of Passover, for the start of the Sabbath and the Passover. So that whole sequence of, of um, getting the body, um, Joseph of Arimathea going to Pontius Pilate saying, can I have the body? And he and Nic- Nicodemus uh, buried the body in his tomb, uh, all happened before 6 p.m. So that was for day one. Even though it's only a few hours, that is actually called day one in the Jewish sense. Day two is that 6 p.m. through to the 6 p.m. Saturday night, which is what people call the silent day. There's no information that we know on, on behalf of the Gospels of what happened uh, on the earth it, with the disciples. It's called the silent day. And then 6 p.m. Saturday night through to early morning, Sunday morning. And we don't have an actual hour for that. It could be 3 a.m., could be 4 a.m., probably as late as 6 a.m. Uh, and it says Jesus rose from the dead early on the mm. the, the, the Sunday. And so that is actually three days in the Jewish sense, the Jewish calendar, the the little part of Friday, the Saturday, and the little part of Sunday, because it doesn't say for the extent of three days; it says in these three days. Mm. So it's very clear. There is actually no challenge on this when people understand the just, yeah. just it is what it is. Uh, yeah. So Jesus was dead uh, in this three-day period. It's mm. true. Yeah. yeah. Okay, awesome. So, it's around about 36 hours that he would
0: have been between his death on the cross and his resurrection. Um, so, what What really, What really? did Jesus do in these 36 hours? What happened? Uh, I know there's a lot yeah. that happened, so maybe you can list them and then we can unpack each one of those. Well, it's
1: really clear to me, um, and it was always clear to me from the moment I read uh, the New Testament, that Jesus did descend to a place called Hades in that three days. But he didn't go there as a um, a, a dying, poor saviour person. He went there as a victorious Lord. Mm, um, some people call it Christus Victor in, in theolo- theological circles. He just absolutely trashed the power of darkness in that three hours. He gate crashed the, the gates of hell. He trashed hell. He trashed the... The power of the devil. Um, He did a lot of things in that time, but that moment of victorious breakthrough did not happen over the 36 hours. It happened immediately. Mm. So, from the cross when Jesus died to his resurrection, I think he did a number of things. And I think he had an absolute celebration, uh, proclaimed victory did an amazing bunch of things, which I think we're going to look at the scriptures because I've just said what he did, but I think we need to establish it with some Bible verses. But Mm -hmm. I think it's really important in some cultures here in Asia um, because some people think he maybe looked like he was on the cross during that 36 hours. But, of course, his body was in the tomb in Jerusalem next to the Garden of Gethsemane. His body is in the tomb. His physical body, so his soul and spirit Mm -hmm. went Somewhere, And it's really an incredible picture for us of part of the afterlife, which Jesus did talk about. So, mm-hmm. if we can go into the certain parts of yeah. the scriptures that might be helpful right now.
0: Oh, awesome. So, yeah, I think maybe if you could go into that first scripture of, I think it's in Acts 2, verse 27, where it talks about, um, I can read it if you want. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Acts 2.27 says, For you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. I think that's quoting Psalm 16. Um, so your first thing is that you said Jesus descended as a, uh, into this place called Hades. So if, could you quickly unpack what is Hades and where
1: it is? Um, yeah. So so when, when Peter shares this Old Testament scripture Psalm 16 in Acts 2 he's preaching to the to the multitude thousands and thousands and 3000 are about to get saved mm. because of Peter's preaching and part of it is his explanation that the Messiah had to die mm. and the Messiah then was going to go to this place called Hades now this word Hades appears here for you will not leave my soul in Hades is from this Old Testament scripture where the word is sheol, but the word mm. Hades is used in the Old Testament translation 111 times. This mm. word Hades is actually a well-known concept to the New Testament readers. Mm. It's a, for us in the West, we, we often see it associated with the, car, the Disney cartoon Hercules, <laughs> where, where there's a, a character called Hades, but it, mm. it actually is a really well-known word in Jesus' day. In Paul's day in the ancient world and it gets translated to English as hell which is an interesting translation because there's actually two words for hell in the New Testament there's actually three but I won't go into the third but so this word Hades we've got to understand when it says you will not leave my soul in Hades they understood what that meant they understood it was the netherworld it actually is used in another scripture in Ephesians of the of the world under this world the underworld. Uh, Mm -hmm. or the nether regions or the lower regions of the earth. It actually does explain that this Hades is somewhere below. Um, And so this is a very well-known concept. You Mm -hmm. will not leave my soul in Hades. You will not allow your Holy One to see corruption. So that's speaking about his physical body for that time was not corrupting. It was Mm -hmm. held in, I don't know what you'd call it, in in a place of non-corruption. It Mm -hmm. wasn't being putrefied. And it wasn't going to smell or, or the, the body of Jesus was kept by God, but his soul and spirit went to this place called Hades. Now, this is really important because some people don't want to accept this, but he's, he, it says it really clearly. Peter says, this is what happened to Jesus, mm. and then he resurrected. He rose from the dead. And th- and on that day of Pentecost, 3,000 mm. people said, we feel pricked in the heart. We feel a prick in the heart. What do we do? And Peter said, Believe. Yeah. So as a result of this preaching of truth and mm. unfolding of Old Testament scriptures, the people who were there, who are all Jewish or Jewish converts all said, we want to now believe in this resurrected Jesus that did this mm. for us. So it's a powerful use of the scripture. It really, really is a, a prophetic word in in in, in Psalm 16. Now, I'm, I'm stressing this so people do understand it actually was a real place. In fact, in the Apostles' Creed, part of the Apostles' Creed says he was crucified and he descended into Hades. Mm. In the Latin, it's into inferno. So, mm. this word is being translated and used many, many times. Uh, but people understood what it meant. Now, Hades has two parts. Now, we only know this because of Jesus. Jesus tells this parable of Lazarus and the rich man in, um, in Luke chapter 16. And in this parable, which I don't think is a parable because in the parables they don't use names, Mm. I believe this was actually probably a news story that there was an actual man called Lazarus and there was actually a rich man. And it says that Lazarus was at the gate of the rich man saying, can I I have some food? Mm. And the rich man said, no, he was greedy, greedy rich man. And it says the rich man died and went to Hades and he was in torment in Hades. And Lazarus died and went to this place called paradise, or the the Abraham's bosom, or Abraham's lap is probably a better a lap is um it's it's in the tummy area the lap of Abraham in the the lap of luxury you could say mm-hmm. um, he went there. This is this is this this whole place of um, waiting for people in the Old Testament. Mm. And it's talking about where people went either to a place of torment or Abraham's bosom where there was Abraham and all the people there. Now, honestly, I don't understand a lot of this, but Mm. it's very clear that Jesus taught in this um, story or parable, whatever you want to call it, in Luke 16, that there was these compartments. And it's very clear you can't get from one place to the other because the rich man says, help me, help me, uh, Abraham. Abraham says, no, there's a great chasm or great gap between you and us, but there was actually obvious visual, uh, people could see each other, hear each Mm. other, but there was a distance. Now, Mm. honestly, when we talk about this, I say it again, I don't understand everything, but Jesus was pulling back the curtain. Mm. Clearly, that people would understand there is this place. And I believe this is where Jesus went on the time he he died, he went to both the place of Hades' torment and he went to the place of paradise mm. because he said to the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. Mm. Now, paradise comes from a Persian word which means garden. And so, the concept of paradise, the waiting place, is like Garden of Eden. It's mm. where Abraham was at that time. It's, it's a beautiful place, a place of, uh, I, I believe, beauty like um, jungles and rivers and waterfalls and a bit like parts of Africa, hey, right? And yeah. um, parts of Bali where I just was. It was it's like that, but without mm. any death or sickness or sadness or sin. Mm. So it's a beautiful place. But when Jesus pulls back and says, hey, there's, there's these two areas. Yeah. You need to understand it. We need to listen to that uh, parable or story clearly because mm. Jesus went there on the day he died uh so I'm I'm trying to get into this deeply here but understand mm. they understood it. We we have trouble I mean right it's it's pretty complex stuff. Yeah. But Jesus wanted people to know there is that place of consciousness. Mm. There is a place of beauty and comfort for the godly and a place of torment that you don't want to go to. That yeah. was the point of his teaching.
0: Yeah. Sure. Okay. So so Jesus, he then descends into this place called Hades. Um, what was his purpose in descending into, into Hades?
1: Well, his 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 purpose was really to establish or consolidate his victory on the cross. Mm. He he gate crashed Hades, he gate-crashed hell, and we're gonna read a scripture here. It says in um, like the devil didn't know what was coming. 1 Corinthians two eight. none of the rulers of this age understood it, understood the cross. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now, the rulers mm. of this age talking about the devil and demons and powers and, and darkness did not understand the cross, mm. nor does the devil understand anything to do with godly responses or godly beautiful issues of God. Just doesn't mm. get it. The devil doesn't understand when we forgive people in Jesus' name or when we let things go in Jesus' name or when we, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. The devil doesn't understand that, doesn't understand the plans of God, doesn't understand when we react in a godly way, doesn't get it. If the, if, if they had have understood the cross, they would not have crucified Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's quite a statement, isn't it? Wow. It's, power. it's, it's, it's really powerful. Mm-hmm. The devil didn't get it, even with the Old Testament scriptures uh, the promise of resurrection. Yeah, The devil's really dopey in Scripture. <laughs> Here he is. And mm. I'm so glad about that. He doesn't get it when we respond mm. in a godly way. So he went there. The devil was shocked. And then it says the other thing Jesus did was Revelation 118. Um, Jesus said, I'm the living one. I was dead, and now look, I'm alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. So Jesus took the keys of death and Hades from the devil. He took mm. them. Not in a battle. He wasn't mm. like fighting. He just he just took them. Like cross <laughs> has done it all. Give me those keys. Yeah. Give me the keys of death. And it says also in First Corinthians 15, I think that death was the last enemy to be destroyed. Mm. So death now is opened up to resurrection. Yeah. So the keys of resurrection and the keys of getting out of Hades, Mm. are now in Jesus' hands. Isn't that amazing that he actually actually took them? He disarmed the devil, not in a battle, Mm. but in a moment. Mm. And the devil was shocked, and the kingdom of darkness was shocked, and all that stuff. Mm. But God is a victor. And I think for us living in this world now, although there's lots of trouble in the world, we need to know the ultimate victory was won Mm. on the cross. Sure. And the ultimate victory was was won on the cross – And established by resurrection. So when Jesus went to hell as a a spirit and soul, he wasn't going as a prisoner Mm. or to battle or to do anything like that. He went there as a total victor, how Jesus rules, even over death and Hades. So, and I love that picture. I don't think
0: it was like you said, I don't think it was this wrestling match between the devil and Jesus. I think he just walked up and just said, thank you. Those are mine, took the keys. Um, um, but I, I have a question is when when did the devil get those keys? Um,
1: uh, yeah, well, I guess I guess we look back to Revelation. Uh, sorry, uh, Genesis chapter three, the, the fall of Adam and Eve, the, the beginning of all the pain. I mean, before that, it says that God created a beautiful place, yeah. a, a cathedral called, called the earth and a beautiful sacred space for Adam and Eve and God to walk mm. together in the garden and enjoy the animals and enjoy yeah. fellowship. And, and when the devil came and tempted Eve with, with a fruit, people call mm. it an apple, but it's not. It's an <laughs> unknown fruit. <laughs> and and she could have chosen fruit from any tree in the garden. There was thousands, mm. millions. I don't know how many. She, but the one, the one out of let's say millions of trees, that God said just don't touch that one. Yeah, was the one, the only one that yeah. the devil said, yeah, God knows, you know, you're not going to die. You're going to be okay. Don't mm. don't believe God's word. And and Eve was deceived. Yeah. You know, mm. The question is, where was Adam? Yeah. <laughs> So we can't put all the blame on on Eve, but together they really rebelled. Adam then took it and and an open-eyed rebellion, and from them we get sin in the world and a dislocation of the universe. Something was totally dislocated that needed to be relocated through the cross.
0: Yeah, okay. Awesome. So for thousands of years, the devil was holding those keys, and then Jesus came and just took them back in a moment. Victory on the cross. Absolutely, so good, awesome, and also know there's a, a great scripture talking about Jesus preaching uh, to people in uh, in that in that time. So in I think it's one Peter three nineteen, it says after being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago, um, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. Um, Who are these people that Jesus, did did Jesus preach a message? What did he preach? And were these people able to respond to his message?
1: Well, there's another scripture in Peter that explains some of what you just asked. In 1 Peter 4, 6, I'm going to read from the Good News Translation. Um, It says, that is why the good news was preached also to the dead, to those who had been judged in their physical existence as everyone is judged. It was preached or communicated to them, so that in their spiritual existence, they may live as God lives. And people don't realize there is a a companion verse here. Mm. So, what did Jesus preach? Because a lot of people said he preached condemnation, like you're dead and gone. And Mm. uh, He preached good news to them. Now, you only preach good news when it's good news, right? And the good news is that victory on the cross has been achieved. Mm. It has been done. It is no longer anything else—not the law. It's it's Jesus on the cross, and so the good news preached was what Jesus had just accomplished on the cross and total mm. victory over death and Hades. Mm. He's preaching this good news to this group of people. Mm. Now, who are the group of people? Well, it says specifically that they're to do with uh, the people of Noah's day while the ark was being built. I think there's a few possible. Um, interpretations. One of them is the people of Noah was was a representative people of those outside of salvation or those outside knowledge of salvation. Because mm. there would have been a lot of people in Noah's day that didn't know God or, or didn't know anything about God. Mm. And um, just like there is today or any time in history, it could be representative of a whole class of people who had no opportunity to to hear the gospel now, I'm not saying that they can get saved. I don't I don't understand it. But you're asking who it was. Mm. That's one possibility. Is that it, it's representative, yeah. um, and and of course another one would be it. It really is just those in Noah's day. Mm. I don't know how to explain that. But to to think that Jesus spent time doing this, yeah. it was significant. Hmm. And and to think that Peter now this Peter the book of First Peter was written by the apostle. Um, Peter um, Simon Peter yeah this is the same one that preached there in Acts chapter 2 and right through and started the church uh, he he was the one that really had knowledge from Jesus mm. about a lot of these things this is who wrote that passage yeah and once again he's expecting people to understand this mm. he's the people of his day understood more than we did but Jesus is Preaching. The word preach means to proclaim. So he's not like going for an altar call or mm. for a. He's he's proclaiming. This is the truth. Yeah. This is what happened. Yeah. This is what it is. This is the end. The cross yeah. is it. It's good news. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? It's so <laughs> so good. it does. It does actually explain what he was preaching. Mm. The good news of God. Sure. And I guess the good news is for those, you know, God so loved the world, wrote, uh, John 3.16, that he mm-hmm. gave his only begotten son that who would believe in him will not, not die but have everlasting yeah. life. Sure. So I can't answer the questions some people are going to ask right now. Um, and I, I know there are questions because I've got them too. But yeah. somehow this is r- super positive, yeah, incredibly life-giving, and I think we need to understand that's what happened when yeah. Jesus went to Hades.
0: Wow. So he goes down, he he descends, he takes the keys. Now he's proclaiming this good message. And uh, Ephesians 4 verse 8 says, uh, this is why it says he, when he ascended, so he had descended, now he's ascending he, on high, he took captives and gave gifts to his people. So uh, it says that it seems as Jesus, when he was down in, in that place and proclaiming, he took captives with him and so, who would these captives be?
1: Um, Great question. And I think this is something that we need to really understand and seek. And as, as a young Christian, when I read this, it was just natural to me that people were able, who were, were in the holding center, were released. Hmm. They were released. And I think it's really important we do declare who is the captives because I've, I've read some people say the captives was the devil and the demons. Mm. But that doesn't make sense, and it doesn't also make sense in, through the, the usage of the word. So, the usage mm. of the word, the captives, is actually a, a not just captives, but um, if we look at a number of translations, it says, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. And some of the um, expositors of, the, of this, this, this says, it's a very special word. This, this word is not captives, it's a body of captives. It's mm-hmm. a, a group word, so it's mm-hmm. not, and it's not even a small group. It's not like you know the, these ten in this room are captives. Mm. It's an, it's a very very large body sure. of captives, and this word "captives" was used um, about one hundred and twenty times in the Old Testament in the Greek Greek Old Testament. The mm. same word was used almost always when Israel were captive. Sure with Israel were captive. Who is it talking about? It's talking about God's people in captivity. Yeah. So this group is not the devil. It's not mm. demons. It's not it's not that stuff was defeated on the cross. Boom, yeah. the end. Mm. There was no more that the the, the, the the what was accomplished on the cross and spoken about in Colossians 2:15 is is talking about an absolute total victory over the devil. Mm. And Jesus did not need to bring them out in his resurrection the mm. body of captives are a group of people and um when, you know when jesus died there was no no people called christians at that point they were all yeah. believers in god in some way yeah uh, jewish people believers in yahweh or jehovah mm. whatever translation you want to use there but this is a large body of people mm. this word is used as i said 100 it's actually 138 times in the old testament mm. And it's almost always of God's people when they were prisoners in some way. Sure. Um, in 2 Chronicles 28, 11, it says the Israelites are the prisoners to be released, this body, the captives to be released. Sure. So New Testament, we don't use this word almost at all. It is so unusual in the New Testament. Mm. That's why it's people say, what is it? But it's a large body usually of people um, – uh, another one is in Deborah in Judges 5, where it says, wake up, wake up, Deborah, break out into song, take captive your captives. So, this is a Hebrewism or a Old Testament picture of a group of people being freed all mm. at once. Wow! Uh, it's pretty powerful language mm. when you see it that way. Wow, <laughs> that's so awesome. So, it goes and preaches. All
0: these people respond, or somewhere, and he leads them. Some there's a group of people that he's leading. Large group, a yes. large group of people. So, do you think some of those people were the people who got physical resurrection as well? Because you read that around the time of Jesus' resurrection, it says the tombs opened of all of these people, and Jesus and these people came and walked out. Um, that must have been quite yeah. a scene. <laughs> Could
1: be. I haven't thought through that atrium, but it really, really could be. Yeah, that, that might have been the whole, what was happening back on earth, on planet earth. Yeah. Um, wow, that's an interesting concept. <laughs> I've always read that script and I'm thinking, like, yeah.
0: who are these people? And it must have been Ooh. so strange to the other people in Jerusalem, all of these tombs opening up and these people coming out. Then, it yeah. was a pretty powerful and bizarre day on the
1: day of Jesus' resurrection. Yeah, it it really was. Wow, that's an interesting one. <laughs> Pro- probably, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So,
0: um, we we just talk about like so. Jesus took those keys of Hades. Um, I know you also spoke about, um, that in Revelations we see that that so in that moment Jesus didn't destroy Hades. He just took the keys back. So he now he has the authority to to uh, over Hades. But is this was it in that moment that Hades was destroyed or is there another
1: moment that, that's coming? Yeah, well, we have to explain another word, which is the second word for hell in the New Testament, which is Gehenna. Mm. The word, word Gehenna is only three times. It's really not a major thing. But the lake of fire is used a number of times. So, Gehenna lake of fire is the final, the final death, mm. the, final, the final thing. And that's where the devil gets thrown, etc. It says it was made for the devil. But here's a scripture in um, Revelation 20, verse 14, 15. It says that the sea gave up the dead that were in it and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them and each person was judged according to what they had done. And then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire or Gehenna. The lake of fire is the second death and anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Mm. So Hades is not forever. Hades is a holding center, both for good people, that's the paradise, and for those in torment. Now, in the end, there's going to be a great judgment, and and God's going to judge everyone according to whose name is in the book of life. That's what it says, and according to what they've done on the earth, and we know according to receiving Jesus or not. There's a bunch of things it mentions there, Mm. but Hades as a holding center will cease And everyone who is in any part of Hades will be released to a judgment. Mm. And I think that's good news. I want to say that. I think it's really, really good news that there's going to be a final judgment and the judge is Jesus, actually. Mm. Yeah. It says that I think in John that Jesus will be the judge on that day, which is good news. Yeah. But death and Hades will be thrown into the lake of fire um, and that's the end of it. That's mm. the end of that. And the devil and all these cronies will be thrown in as well, and that's the end of that. And Yeah. Um, but right now, that means there is a Hades and, and a death. We know there is a death, obviously, still with us, and there is a Hades still somewhere yet to be destroyed because we haven't reached that moment in um, prophecy. So I don't even know what that means except to say, well, Jesus didn't do away with Hades at mm. that time. So what it means to me is that, Jesus owns the universe. And Jesus, there's nothing beyond his gaze. There's nothing beyond his influence. There's nothing at all that God is able to do amazing things. And mm-hmm. so um, I, I just love this scripture, Psalm 139, verse 8, where David says, if I make my bed in the depths, shoal or Hades, you mm-hmm. are there. So people can't escape from God's presence. Yeah. God is absolutely in charge of everything, overall, in all, mm-hmm. and even now Jesus holds the keys of death and Hades. Sure. And so that's a pretty amazing thing. I think we're coming to the yeah. end of our discussion now. Yeah. So um, I just would like to to pray with everyone as I finish sure. and uh, just know that God is good and he loves you very much. Come on. And we can have hope in a, in, a, in a heaven with Jesus forever and ever and ever. Lord, I want to thank you for Jesus dying on the cross and all that happened immediately after. We don't understand everything, Lord, but we know that you are the conqueror, the victor, overcoming, and we have faith in you to resurrect us. Mm. That death has no power over us, and we're going to be resurrected, going to heaven to be with you because we believe in our Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray for people who's, who are listening who may not know or may not be sure that they would call out, Jesus, save yeah. me, help me right now in Jesus' name. Amen. God Amen. bless you all.